Good morning, everyone watching live on BAM YouTube. Let me know in the comments where you are tuning in from. The hot sheet covers what you need to know about the real estate industry in a 24-hour time period. On today's hot sheet, I will discuss housing inventory, the percentage of housing market investors that actually own single-family homes, and inflation predictions. Today is Monday, April 10, 2023. I am Byron Lazine, and the hot sheet starts now. Welcome back to the hot sheet after having a three-day rest from our daily hot sheet. I had a bunch of messages reaching out. Where was Friday's hot sheet? We don't do the hot sheet when the markets are closed and the markets were closed on Friday uh, observing the holiday weekend. So we're back stronger than ever. Hit the thumbs up if you are ready to go. And as we typically have done on Mondays here, in quarter one, as we get into the spring market, the traditional buying market for housing, we're going to update where we are on inventory. So finally, we saw inventory rise. 823 single-family homes uh, up for the last week. Now, we don't know if this is the bottom because we could be here next Monday and see another decline. We saw that once a few weeks back where we did see a week-over-week -week rise and then right back into the negative. So Hopefully, this is the bottom. We're searching for the bottom when it comes to inventory. The bottom meeting, okay, we've stopped declining on inventory, and we're about to start going up. Uh, if, if, we, if we continue to see a trend up, there'll be absorption into the spring market with this demand. Uh, if, if you've been following the hot sheet, you know all the, all the one-off stories of, okay, there's 40 offers. There's Or on Knowledge Brokers podcast when Lisa Chinati gave the example of 87 offers on one property because we just don't see enough inventory in the affordable price ranges and certainly uh, in the in the ranges that meet buyer demand. So active inventory up 823 single family homes. That's not a lot when you're talking about a country of, uh, you know, 330 plus million people. Uh, new listing data is trending at all time lows. So new list listing data still not where we want it to be. Purchase applications fell 4% last week. We talked about that breaking a four-week streak of positive growth, still down 35% year over year. Okay. Um, when we look at the, the inventory here really quick, I've got everything. I've got a whole bunch of data as we get into the second, third topics of the show today that are available in your daily download below. One link, you get everything, all the sources and the charts. Uh, when we look at the inventory here, this is what it looks like as of April 8th, 400, you know, we're below that 435,000 mark. That is just the active listing. So that doesn't account for the properties that are under contract. That's NARS measurement, which is at about 980,000 homes. Okay. So 435,000, well below this, this week in 2020, 19, 18, 17, or 16. I mean, in, if you look back in 2016 timeframe, 2015, 2016, we actually had a million homes on the market. Last year, the weekly seasonal inventory bottom, this is reading from Housing Wire, was set on March 4th. We're well off of that mark. We still need to confirm the weekly bottom here this year. This year looks similar to 2021, which bottomed on April 9th. So this could be the week. You know, we'd be like one day off April 9th last year in this. 823 
increase this year happened to close out on April 8th. So this could be the time where we actually see the data turn around. It's gonna, going to be different in your local market. So make sure you're taking that into consideration. Your local market may or may not be trending alongside the national market, okay? Austin, for example, has a has a different outlook. They've got more inventory, uh, as far as I know. That, that might have changed in the last few weeks, but the last time I got onto Jeremy Knight's YouTube channel, that was the case. So your market could be different. This is a national number of where we're at, and certainly this is no matter what market you're in, these are the headlines that your consumers are going to see in mainstream media. So if you're in housing in any way, it's important to know that. New listings is at an all-time low, near all-time low rather. Okay, so you can see here, even comparison to last year, 2022's in green and 2021's in blue, that black line well below those two marks for new listings right now is this year, okay? Uh, in 2017, we had this this week, compare weekly new listing data to previous years, okay? Let's go to 2015, 86,000. 16, 85,000, 17, 85,000. Okay, so new listings for this week. 2021, 61,000. 2022, 63,000. This past week, we only have 55,591 for new listing data. We, we've got a you know, re really cautionary homeowner who doesn't want to put their house onto the market and risk losing that interest rate. That's going to continue to be the story throughout the spring. So be prepared for that. If you're an agent or a broker or team leader, your job is to unlock the inventory for someone who definitely needs, should, has a reason to sell, but just keeps waiting. The longer they wait in this market might end up hurting their bottom line. Although we did see last month, home prices rise for the first time in eight months. And I would expect that to continue in the spring I don't feel as confident about quarter three or quarter four. I feel more confident actually about 2024 prices overall than I do this quarter three, quarter four. And we're going to touch on the economy just overall here uh, towards the end. There's, I mean, if you listen to any of these, you know, CEOs of, of banks or capital investors, you know, these types of talking heads, you, you get one person that says, man, it, it looks really bad right now. And you get the next person that says, I don't know. They're they're kind of optimistic on on the stock market anyway. So we'll see how that all shakes out. Uh, what isn't shaking out yet is enough inventory to meet the affordable demand that we have in the spring market. We are up 823 single family homes, and we'll see where that goes as we work into the spring market. Really interesting article sent to me uh, from Pat Kenny. He's a financial invest uh, planner. Pat's also. Uh, one of the moderators on the 5 a.m. call. He does Saturday, Patterday. He sent me over an article from a wealthofcommonsense.com. This was just posted. And the headline reads, there is no index fund for the housing market. Okay, there's some really interesting data stuffed in here that I thought was, was important to share because there is some, especially when it comes to how many single family homes are being bought by investors, there's some real conflicting data out there. There, there is a, thought that investors are buying up all the property, that there's there's a shortage of inventory because of investors buying single family homes. Okay. So we're going to get to that in just a second. First, let me just give a comparison between the stock market and the housing market. Stock market crashed 
by more than 85% from 1929 to 1932 during the Great Depression. We've never seen a crash like that in housing, okay? Millions saw their finances get decimated in that period. But for most people, it was from the economy getting crushed during the Great Depression, not their portfolios. See, back in 1929 to 1932, the stock market was like just the top 1%. It wasn't your average everyday Joe, okay? It wasn't as easy as today of getting an app and, and just kind of buying into the market with one push of a button, okay? So today in U.S. stock ownership, you have about 60% of people playing the game, 58% today. And you can go all the way back to 1998 and it kind of rides along that 60% line. Of course, in 2012 to call it 10 to 12, uh, really uh, until 14, when it started to pick up again, you, you got as low as 50% owning stock, but well above the 19 late twenties and early thirties, the advent of index funds, 401ks, Okay, 401ks has helped build that boomer generation to have to own one-seventh of the world's wealth. Discount brokerages, ETFs, and online access have made it much easier to take part in the greatest wealth-building machine ever created. Okay, the fact that you can buy an entire stock market for pennies, that's what I just said, push of a button, uh, has made it super easy to do that. Okay, uh, but... But you can't buy a portfolio of how, I mean, you could buy a REIT, but listen, I'd be very cautious buying a REIT right now with where we know that, you know, commercial, there was just a, a commercial property where commercial properties, there was just a tweet. Let me see if I can just find it real quick. I might have it up from at News Lambert or Fortune. He retweeted this guy, Prop Man, okay, JT at Jay, the real estate. Okay. So Blackstone just sold Griffin Towers in, in San, Santa Ana. I'll actually bring this tweet up at a 36% loss. Uh, the two 13 story towers sold to Barker Pacific for 82 million. Blackstone bought the towers for 129 million in 2014. Office values in Orange County are now lower than they were in 2010. That's post crisis. A steal or a bad deal, Griffin Towers, okay? I don't know much about Griffin Towers specifically, but what we do know is we keep seeing example after example after example of office buildings being 50% vacant, 40% vacant, 30% vacant, being or being used two days a week because employees only want to work Tuesdays and Thursdays because it fits their schedule and their lifestyle better. You're going to continue to see a decline in commercial properties. So when we talk about portfolios in real estate, a REIT might be a really risky investment right now, unless you know how they've invested, where they've invested, how much office space do they have in that REIT? You don't see REITs with single family homes. Uh, you don't, you just don't see that. Okay. There is a new, uh, I wonder if I have that up. I've been checking it out a little bit. I probably don't have it up. Uh, there's a, there's a new company, Spencer Raskoff, of course, the kingpin of real estate investing is involved and maybe somebody can drop into the comments cause I'm drawing a blank. I just started to, uh, take a look at it where you can, you can buy like a very small percentage of a single family house. And I'm not talking about Picasso cause that's the, um, the luxury option of, of like using the property. This is just a straight 
investment where they're where they're renting out these single family homes where you can only put up like a thousand bucks or something per property. But any anyways, I digress. Let's get back to this stock market versus real estate market scenario. I did see some comments flash. We'll take some comments at the end, Bobby. Um okay, so you can't buy the you can buy the entire stock market right now for pennies on the dollar in fees, but you can't buy the real estate market. It's a localized game. Okay, it's something that if you're going to going to invest, it's very capital intensive to buy one property even in your local market. And you're certainly not buying the overall market. If you pick the wrong location, that could be bad. That could that could be really bad, or it could be really good. Right? Could be really good. Uh, a diversified, tax efficient. Low cost, low turnover investment vehicle exists for the stock market, but not the housing market. Okay, wealthofcommonsense.com. Uh, this will be linked below. This article is fascinating. While stock market ownership during the Great Depression was a rounding area of the total population, plenty of people owned homes back then. Okay, so 1% of people own stocks, but 44% of people, home ownership rate, it got as low as 44% during the Great Depression. Okay, so it went down, but that was the bottom, 44%. Following the post-World War II boom, the U.S. Owner, home ownership rate quickly increased to more than 60%. It's been close to two-thirds ever since. Here's a home ownership chart updated uh, as of the end of last week for you. This is available for you down below in the daily download. Of course, in the late 90s to, to early 2000s, really quarter one of 2005, you can see the peak there, maybe end of 2004, home ownership was well above 68%, seven out of 10 people owned a home. Uh, we, we've, we are now sitting at 65.9% year to date. The average is 65.26%. So we're right on, right on the average right now. And you do see that there are all these big drops. Now, what people are worried about with institutional buyers coming in and buying up single family homes is that we're going to experience one of these big drops that you see here, call it the late 80s, early 90s, uh, or certainly after uh, the last housing boom, get into 2012, 2013, 14, 15 timeframe, and that we're going to stay down there. We're going to stay at 60%. I've often talked about this renter nation, which is a real thing, because as these prices go up, you may see these uh, these value or the, these home ownership rates go down as more people are forced into rental rentals. I think long term, this is an issue. But what is the reality today as it relates to how many people have actually uh, how many investors are actually buying these single family homes? I have a chart for you. OK, large corporate buyer share of the purchase market. The iBuyer is. Uh, in that blue line, you can see that it's about just under 2% of the total market. Institutional buyer, okay, is that just above 2.5%. So when you take iBuyers and the institutional investors, you're well below a total of 5% of the entire market. In fact, according to uh, this article, um, there's this conspiracy theory that large financial firms like BlackRock have been buying all of the houses in recent years, but even with an uptick in institutional buyers during the low mortgage rate days, they still constitute less than 3% of the market. Okay. So that, that are the, that's these 
institutional buyers and I buyers, as we know, there's only one really left open door and they're not, uh, they're, they're not blowing the doors off of the U S housing market in terms of what they're buying right now. Uh, the, the other ones have seemingly, you know, shut their operations down across the board. You do have offer pad out there still. I got it, but, uh, that's really it. You've got open door as the big player. And then you still just have what you've always had these local investors, these low local, you know, multifamily buyers that are owning, you know, maybe they got 20 doors or 10 doors and, and that's just their business model in their local market. Okay. Uh, most houses are owned by individuals that live in them while the rental market is owned by mostly small time investors. People in the finance industry like to talk about the housing market as if it's a single entity, just like the stock market, but residential real estate remains hyper local. Zillow learned the hard way. Right when you just can't go in there and just buy up a bunch of homes, especially when when you've just got people who haven't been in these local markets and some some of these people that were making decisions for Zillow never even owned real estate, you know they're just looking at a computer all day. Okay, it's it's a hyper local uh, problem to solve. Uh, if we equate buying a house with buying stocks, most people have their money and concentrated in a single position where the actual returns are dominated by micro factors as much as the macro economy. Okay. So Case Shiller tracks the 20 largest housing markets in the country. And while uh, overall, we know that real estate is just going to continue to go up. And this chart shows you uh, that even since 2019, that's the case. They're up significant, you know, significant fashion here. You know, some are up as much as 70%, but others are up since 2019, as much as maybe 30 or or even as low as maybe 20%. So this is a very local game. Um, you can see all these major metros here from, from Detroit to Seattle, from San Francisco to Minneapolis, from Phoenix to Washington, D.C., and everything in between. Uh, again, some are going to be up significantly. You see Tampa up there at the top, uh, getting close to that 70% mark, while you're going to see some like San Francisco uh, and and Portland here in the when we look at these blues that are down closer to this uh, thirty to twenty percent mark, but that's since two thousand nineteen. I would say no matter how you slice that, that's pretty good returns. That's data according to Kay Schiller, but it gets the gap gets pretty significant, right? If you were counting on fifty percent returns, you've got a lot of you've got a lot of metros below this fifty percent return. I would say the majority of them, okay. Uh, you have some some clear winners over fifty percent, but certainly not not all of them. So you've got to be really careful with housing to know that local market, understand that it's hyper local, and investors really need to take that into consideration. And when you're buying on the whole, uh, it it becomes uh, a little more challenging, right? Like if if the right now the last six twelve months, a uh, financial planner would know better than I would, but invest uh tech stocks have all kind of moved down together right and when there's uh, when there's a bull tech uh stock market they kind of all move up together right in housing you do see that as well uh, but you you definitely see wider gaps between uh these markets and and right now we're seeing some markets come down and others just aren't they're holding firm because of these inventory issues okay um so prices obviously went crazier in some uh, areas than others per the chart. And, and some locations are obviously seeing some of them drop down faster than 
others. Okay. Uh, national level, the U.S. the median U.S. home sale price fell 2.1 percent year over year to roughly 362,000, making uh, the seventh straight week of declines. And we saw last week we talked about this here. BlackRock reported the first month where prices actually went up, and we could see a spring market where that remains to be true. So, um, listen. Your house, your city, your school district, your neighborhood, you're going to have specific housing characteristics and you need to know the local market to really understand that investment's much different than stocks, um, but it's very stable. And we've seen this over the years going all the way back to the late 20s uh, and early 30s. It's it's uh, Housing is far and away the biggest financial asset for most households in the US and it's nearly impossible to diversify that risk. So it always goes back to, and this is what I learned when I started buying real estate at 19 years old and made huge mistakes in it, is that it always comes down to the location, right? You've got to believe that others believe in the location for the next 10, 15, 20 years to really win big in real estate. The numbers have got to work and you've got to have some pride of ownership and take care of the maintenance and take into consideration what's the insurance, what's the, you know, what's the HOAs, how's that going to impact the value, the amenities, and all of that. Okay. Not not the stock market, the real estate market, but certainly uh something that drives the economy. And Barry Sternlight from Starwood Capital, he's the CEO. He believes that housing getting pulled out of headline inflation is going to drive inflation down. He believes that uh, inflation is going to drop hard. He talked about this last week on CNBC. Okay, so uh, he owns a hundred and with with um, uh, with Starwood Capital. He owns one hundred and twenty five thousand apartments. So he's modeled it out. Here's Barry. Here, if you don't know who Barry Sternlight is, and here's the model that he has. Uh, right here. Okay. So actual rents, he says, are declining. If you go into Redfin overall for the US housing market, Redfin would support his data. Okay. That year over year rent growth, year over year rent growth is declining for actual rents. That's the blue line on a sharp downward direction. The orange line is the CPI shelter. Okay. Here's how they come up with the CPI shelter, which makes up a third of the num of the um, inflation number, this headline inflation number. It's a survey they started in 1981, where they call homeowners and ask what people would rent for. Okay, so they're not actually going on. And Barry uses the example of apartments.com and looking at what people are actually getting for rents. No, they're calling the government. Think about this: if the government called you, and so these are people that are still operating on a home phone, I would imagine. And ask, you know, what do you think your house could rent for? And they've probably lived in the house if they have a home phone installed. They've probably lived there for more than 25 years. I'm just going to take a wild guess, which means they haven't even actually engaged in the rental market to see what they could get, which means they're just taking a wild guess. Well, everything's high, milk's high, I don't know, a million dollars my house would rent for, right? And so what kind of data is the government actually collecting off of this survey that started in 1981 that they've only updated a couple of times, according to Barry Sternlight, as opposed to using real-time data that lives on something like the Redfin Data Center or Apartments.com? We dug into the Redfin Data Center on, a, on 
um, rentals. You know, like Lisa, we were talking about it on Knowledge Brokers Podcast. You can go at Knowledge Brokers Podcast. And Friday, we had a whole discussion around this. And Lisa said, hey, Boston rents are going up. Uh, well, according to Barry Sternlight, there's some markets where that would be true. South Florida's up 10%. There's other parts of Florida that are down on rents, but South Florida up 10%. Denver's, though, is down 4%. Austin is down 4%. California, all over the state, falling at double digits on rent prices. And so Barry says, once you take out uh, this actual rent data, once it catches up to the CPI measurement, which he doesn't believe will happen to late summer, early fall, you're going to see headline inflation drop from 4.3% to 2.6%. That'd be pretty close to the 2% number. Okay. Uh, he believes that inflation will drop significantly, but that in the time frame of us getting there, Okay, so between now and when this thing actually gets sucked out of the market, we're, we're in for some trouble. And uh, he does believe we're heading into a recession. So he, he thinks we're going to head into a recession. The, the economy is going to come, you know, uh, slow down significantly. Then they're going to see inflation drop. Then they're going to start cutting rates and they're going to go back the other way, just like seesawing all over the place. So uh, I thought that was an interesting update. I think I've mentioned it Uh but I didn't actually have the data in front of me to go number by number of what Barry Sternlight, uh, who does manage 125 owns 125,000 apartments, what he's seeing, uh, and that he would and that he expects inflation to come out now. He believes the Fed should have already started to cut rates, and that they should cut rates uh, on the next one because uh, he he believes that inflation is already down in the twos. We're going to get a big inflation read later this week believe on Friday. So we'll see uh, where it is according to the Fed and what they're looking at. Just a little update on the economy overall. We talked about uh, jobs at the end of the week. Uh, the treasury real yields ha have fallen after the data shows that the U.S. job growth slowed in March. Okay. So uh, we will uh, take a look at where it is today. Uh I do have Logan likes to Logan Motoshami from Housing Wire. He likes to look at this um, the Gandalf line in the sand. He calls it three point four two percent to three point three seven. Okay, so uh, we were we had a ten year that finally fell below that mark last year uh, last week. We haven't been below that mark since uh, the Fed started increasing rates. So. Some signals that if we can, can continue to break below that line, which where are we today? I don't think we're below that line. Yeah, we're back at three. Are we within that line? We're at three point. Oh, we're just in that line. Okay, so 3.42 to 3.37. We're at 34419. Okay, sorry about that. We're at, well, we're at 342 now. It just ticked up. So 342. So we're at the top end of that range. Logan would like to see us break below. That'd be a really good sign for the 30-year. And the 30-year had a great week last week. Although uh, Friday, we did see that after that jobs report came out, there was a little bit of confusion. Is, it, is, this, is this a slowing job market? Is this not? It does appear to be a, a slowing job market uh, right now. Uh, which the Fed's going to like. And so with the confusion on Friday, it did go up to 6.34 after a really good week. We got as low as 6.16 on Wednesday. 
and we could see this drop down a little bit today. We'll see. Uh, but last week we had a we had a pretty nice reading of six four four to six three four start end of the week and got as low as six point one six. We'll see where we end up today. Where you should end up on May fifth, Cinco de Mayo, is with me down here in Naples. Myself, the broke agent, Danny Deals, and Ken Pozak, as well as Bobby, our BAM producer, who produces this show every single day, are going to be doing a mastermind. There's only 12 spots. There's less than 12 spots because we started promoting over the weekend. Space is very limited. We're going to be at the Tiburon Golf Club, Ritz-Carlton in Naples. This is a BAM mastermind. The Masters were just this weekend. Congratulations to Rom. Uh, we are going to be doing a mastermind on Instagram. So personalized Instagram audits with the broke agent and Dan O'Neill, how to create a YouTube channel that actually will bring you leads with Ken Pozak. Ken has tens of thousands of subscribers in Orlando and he's built a local YouTube channel there. Video editing with Bobby, BAM's producer, question and answer sessions, all things marketing or even business building if you want with me. So that's eight to noon. 12 to 2, we're going to do lunch at the Ritz. And then 2 o'clock, we're going to be going out golfing. This is an all-inclusive mastermind. There's only 12 spots available. Uh, and there, there's actually just a handful left. We will have drinks in the patio, Cinco de Mayo drinks at 5. So this is all-day experience. Very close access to myself, the broke agent, Dan, and Ken, to be able to answer all of your questions. You're going to be walking away with an Instagram audit and step-by-step -step plan on what you need to do for the rest of the year. You'll also be walking away. R Rebecca, we'd love to have you taking golf lessons. No better place than uh, Naples to put those to work. Uh, we're gonna also going to be, you're going to be walking away with a step-to-step, step-by-step blueprint on your YouTube channel for your local market, as well as how you should go about your editing, whether that's in, in your stage of the game, whether that's going to be outsourcing or taking the tactics that Bobby shows uh, to go ahead and uh, implement those into your business. Uh, over 600,000 combined Instagram followers, 53,000 YouTube subscribers, 7.4 million views on YouTube, and 690 million uh, 2022 total combined sales volume. So uh, we've actually done this, built it, and we'd love to share that with you if you'd like to join us May 5th. The link is down below. Do not wait. That will definitely be sold out by the end of this week. Hopefully by the end of this week, we see a 30-year fix that is lower than where we sat on Friday, which was at 6.34. Love to see this 10-year continue to tick down and get closer to the 6%. We'll continue to monitor that and all things housing this week here on the Hot Sheet Live every single day at 9.30 Eastern, 6.30 Pacific. Until tomorrow. Toodaloo.